Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Stumpf. Go fly solo here for the first half of the show. Actually, just the first part because we got a lot of show today with Jay Krause of MLB.com. We got to play a little bit of true and false. See what we are predicting for the 2022 Pittsburgh Pirates. But before we get there, I just want to do a quick theoretical question. And that's what constitutes a successful 2022 Pittsburgh Pirates season? Because this is a question I got a lot last year. And nobody held any, you know, delusions that the 2021 Pirates were going to do anything. And they and they very much did not do anything. They lost 101 games. Didn't sweep a team. First time in, boy, at least a minute that that's happened for the Pirates. <laughs> I think we did the run back that it was the first time in the modern baseball era. I can't remember exactly for sure. But that team was... It was based on, you know, what a couple players would do. And Hayes was hurt. Keller struggled. Brian Reynolds became an all-star. I mean, it was a mixed bag in that regard. 2022 can't be so cut and dry. Again, no, nobody's, you know, projecting this team to make the playoffs or do anything like that. 70 wins would be, I don't think anyone would complain with that. I don't know how achievable 70 wins is. I I personally have a more in like the 65-ish range because I look at this team and where last year, like if they needed someone, they would make a waiver claim for like a Kaye Tom. This year they can go to a Travis Swaggerty. This year they could go to an O'Neill Cruz. This year they can they can go to a Ruanzi Contreras. Like that that does make a big difference for a lot of this stuff. But I'm also not going to pretend that they don't have Jacob Stallings. They don't have Adam Frazier. Brian Reynolds was an All Star last year, but you also are basically writing in like, well, he's got to repeat, repeat that level of production again. So just. I, I see them improving a little bit. 
If you want a number, I, I have them at 65 and 97. Not last place, but I'll, I'll get into that in the next segment. Is that good enough? I mean, it's obviously not good enough because anything less than playoffs or World Series is never good enough. But is, is that really where they should be in year three of all of this? That 70 wins would be considered a, a, a really good season? Like 2020 happened, and that does push everything back. And this is at least how I view it, year two of the true rebuild. Because 2020 was kind of a holding pattern. Wait and see what you have. Last year was the first year of the real real teardown. And this year, some of those young players are going to get some more major league opportunities. Some top prospects are going to come up. 2023 is the year where I think they actually show a little teeth. You know, not saying that, you know, oh, this team's a playoff team at that point yet. But whenever you have Priester and Gonzalez and Peguero and Frazier and, and all those prospects coming up from Altoona, that definitely means something. That definitely means something. So it it does come down to what is the next competitive team. Is it 2023, 2024, 2025? If it's 2025 or 2026, like that, that's a whole other batch of problems at that point, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that next year's team could be around 500 or so, maybe even half a winning record. Maybe I, I don't want to throw playoffs around, but you know, with a six man format, it's not out of the realm of possibility. If those kids, you know, just hit the ground running and they were given an opportunity early on 2022 though. No. So what would you constitute a successful season? Well, I, I think you can look at some of what I applied last year. A healthy and successful Keep Brian Hayes is a good start. Mitch Keller proving that he's not just the Twitter video sensation and, and that stuff can play in a major league game is a good start. Brian Reynolds maintaining, good start. Bednar maintaining, good start. Like There are ways that this team this, this this could be a successful year and if it's nothing more than having a couple cornerstones and yes Brian Reynolds needs to be a cornerstone not a trade ship every single time that some team is called on and becomes you know a, a big news story but man extending him would go a long way to just shutting that all up and I think make everyone's life a lot easier but you know that's neither here nor there that was last week's podcast Having a couple cornerstones that you can build around is really what they need for this team. And they have a couple candidates. And they have a couple top prospects who could be that. And they also have a couple, you know, more mid-level prospects who could establish themselves. If a, if a Smith Najigba, if a Sawinski or a Swaggerty or someone in that batch Really just, you know, they've got a corner outfield spot locked up. Man, that will make the future so much easier for this team. And that's basically what they're doing, you know, or what they're banking on with this. Because they've got six top 100 prospects, but they also are going to need more contributors, major league contributors from the minor leagues. And we can eyeball some, you know, candidates for that for the coming years. A Matt Frazier, an Andy Rodriguez, a Mike Burrows, a Jared Jones, people like that. But that's far from guaranteed, and they could really use a couple of those guys at the major league level sooner rather than later, because that's really what it comes down to with this team. 
when are you going to get those contributors up into the major leagues, and the sooner, the better. I don't know if O'Neill Cruz starts the year in the minor leagues or if they are just convinced that those development opportunities had to happen in Indianapolis if the Pirates were a competitive club, you know, right out of the gate. And not having O'Neill for those couple weeks or however long it is, you know, could have had a tangible outcome on a playoff spot or a playoff race or, or something like that. I don't think that happens in a couple years. Not in these puberty years, though, and that's basically how people defend the move, saying, well, I'm more concerned about having him for all of 2029 than three weeks, a month, two months of, of this, you know, potential repeat of a 100-loss team. 2022 isn't the year. 2023, there are going to be a lot of interesting players on that Major League roster that you can't help but be at least a little excited. But this is the last, actually, no, not the last, but possibly the penultimate or the last, really, this case where you have to fill out the roster with a lot of Quintana's and Yoshi Satsugos and Roberto Perez's that, you know, are on those one-year deals, you know, just to try to rebuild some value. It, it could be a very different situation in a year from now. They need those cornerstones, and they need those cornerstones to prove this year that they are. And the Pirates need to prove, with the Brian Reynolds in, in particular, that he is a cornerstone, that he's not going anywhere. That's how you have a successful 2022 season. You don't trade Brian Reynolds he, Hayes, Bednar, Keller, a couple other of these young guys that they have really establish themselves, and you set yourself up for that 2023 season so whenever those young prospects do come up, then some damage can be done. That's what a successful 2022 is. And it's weird still to evaluate so many members of, these, of this coaching staff and Derek Shelton based on what a handful of players do, rather than what the whole group does. But we're still in that spot. At least for now. Maybe this will change mid-season. But for right now, that's what a successful 2022 looks like. We're going to take a break. Whenever we come back, Jake Krause of MLB.com. I don't think I said Jake once. Or, or Jake, you know, responded to anything he said, so I'll, I will consider that a good segment. Be sure to tune in. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
this was an inevitability. At, at some point, I was going to get you on this show, Jake. I'm pleased to be here. This is actually, I was thinking about this, the first podcast I've done since 2018 when I was a, a sports reporter in Idaho. I, haven't, oh. I just haven't done podcasts. Really? Yeah. Well, despite you being just a horrible podcast guest, apparently, I, I feel like, you know, this is going to be a good segment because I want, I want you at your most jakey. All right. Okay. I've, I've got a list of 12 true or false questions here for the 2022 Pittsburgh Pirates. You're going to tell me true or false. Okay. Uh, no particular order with one. I, I did tip the pitch for this one. So we'll, we'll start here. Okay. O'Neill Cruz. It's 25 home runs in the major leagues this year. Um, I'm going to lean true. Uh, we're, the Pirates are playing the AL East this year, right, in interleague? Yes. So you got to factor in uh, the skimpy right field wall in Yankee Stadium. Um, hopefully he'll be up by that time. Uh, Pirates, you know, left-handed hitter, friendly. Um, I looked at his most uh, close comp. Um, which is, of course, Mike Trout, because O'Neill Cruz is going to be the best player of all time. And um, I think he hit 30 in his first full season, uh, and we're not sure O'Neill is going to get a full season. So I'm going to say it's going to be about 27, 28. All right. I, I have him at like 22, 23. I have false just because I have no confidence that he's going to be up anytime soon. That's that's my question is how late into May this is going to go. Or maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? If, if this somehow. goes into June, it's it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so if it's not O'Neill Cruz at shortstop, question number two here. Kevin Newman leads the team in innings at shortstop this year. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm still going to say true on that one. I, I, want, uh, I want Cole Tucker to get some reps there. I think... They they like Newman at shortstop so much defensively that if he hits at all, he's probably going to stick there. Um, even if he were to get traded at the deadline, which I'm not so sure about that. Um, I, I mean, there could be a deal if he's hitting well, but um, even if that's the case, I think that they would swap some people through there like Cole Tucker, maybe Diego or O'Neill Cruz, or I don't think Lyover will make it this year. But, um, yeah, I, I still think it's probably going to be Newman. I, I've got a false there just because he's going to have to hit. At some point. Yeah, I know, I know that's the big question mark. And, and you know what? I, I like the swing changes. I don't know if it's enough or if it's even the right idea, but I like where his head's at with them. But I, I don't know. O'Neill Cruz at some point. O'Neill Cruz is simultaneously not going to get enough plate appearances and playing time to hit 25 homers, but also take the majority of the reps away from Kevin Newman. That don't yeah. don't go too deep yeah. into mine. So I, you I, hope, said, I hope the errors, I hope the errors uh, even out for O'Neill because if he can throw straight every time, it's going to be just so easy to get out. I have taken the I really don't care about his defense. I mean, the errors don't really matter that much. The offense matters way more. But if he could yeah. make it so that he throws accurately more often with that arm, oh, my gosh, that's insane. You mentioned Cole Tucker. Does he make 81 starts in the major leagues this year? Any position. So basically everyday player. I'm actually going to lean no on that. Um, I think that between Michael Chavis, O'Neill Cruz, Kevin Newman, eventually, I think that Diego Castillo is going to force his way on eventually, like middle yeah. of the season. Um, and he'll probably get some starts because they like to do that when they call up guys. Um, I think that Cole Tucker could be a little bit more of a pinch hitter this year. Um, 
than he is a starter. Because, uh, I mean, the magician Wilmer Defoe is gone. Someone's got to step up. Yeah. I, I have this one as true, actually. So we haven't agreed on anything yet. This is great. This is the content you come for. This is what I wanted. This is what I wanted, <laughs> Jake. Uh, no, he's just too defensively versatile that we're going to see him in left field. We're going to see him at second base, shortstop, whatever. Like So even whenever a Diego Castillo comes out, well, you can find a way to put Cole Tucker in the lineup still. That's fair. And I did not consider the fact. See, this is when you get me on a win, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I did not consider that Anthony Alford is, is uh, very prone to like hitting swings that are not yeah. so good sometimes. So yeah, I could see Cole sliding in there every now and then. Brian Reynolds is the Pirates' only all-star this year. So that's basically a twofer that Brian Reynolds repeats as an all-star and nobody else gets in. I'm going to say that's true. I, I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see Yoshi doing what he did in the last two months of season, last season happening for the whole first half. Um, I don't, I, I don't see any of the pitchers except maybe one of the bullpen guys like Bedner. Um, he started to get a little bit of more, a little bit more hype in the second half last year. So maybe, but probably not. There's a lot of electric guys who they probably want more eyes on at the All-Star game that have more name value. So I'm still going to go with Brian Reynolds. I've got this one as a true, but a very soft true because Bednar, I, I think, could – there's always a reliever or two that you don't really expect that, you know, makes the mix. Yeah. And I, I, we'll get to him in a second, but I can't shake the feeling that this might be it for Mitch Keller. Like, I, I – yeah. I have it. I'm not saying all star. We're talking like five percent chance or whatever you know you want to put to it. But I can't say no for it. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I that's that's such a big TBD for me. Um, since I haven't been following every spring game either. Um, now that I'm off the beat, so I, I'd have to I'd have to dig in a little bit more to to feel like that's a possibility. But I've heard good things. I've seen good things on Instagram. Before we get to Keller, one more Reynolds question here. Brian Reynolds finishes the year as a Pittsburgh Pirate, so he has to survive these ridiculous trade rumors right now and the trade deadline. I I still think that's true. I think he's I, I think he's still too controllable um, at this point, and I don't think other teams are going to want to give up what Ben is probably asking for right now. Um, I remember hearing about the Marlins rumors, and if that's any indication, because I. I I feel like the Padres rumor that came out recently was probably from the Padres side. It was not from oh, what it absolutely wanted. Was. Yeah. I mean, Paddock <laughs> and Weathers are just like guys that you would get like just just as like the third or fourth guy in that deal. The prospects are gonna be the headliners. So it, yeah. it 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 told me nothing, but the the Marlins one told me a little bit more. And that tells me it's probably gonna be too high. Yeah. And just real fast here. It definitely was from the Padres side. And the fact that we didn't hear a peep from the Padres about Joe Musgrove or Adam Frazier just proves how ridiculous the Brian Reynolds. They, they just wanted the story out there that they, well, they made a try. Uh, Brian Reynolds finishes the year as a Pittsburgh Pirate. I am very confident in it. And I'm actually pretty confident that he starts 2023 as a Pittsburgh Pirate as well. Okay. I can't think that far forward. I'm not good like that. <laughs> Mitch Keller has an ERA below four. Yeah, that's the that's the I figured this one was coming up and I still am not 100 percent sure, but I'm going to I'm going to ride the wave. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say it's going to be high threes, but I'm going to say it's under four um, because 
a lot of what balloons his ERAs are those games where he doesn't know how to get out of it. It's not that he pitches five innings and he gives up six runs. He said he pitches one and one third innings and he gives up six runs because he can't get out of it. I feel like he with, with these changes he's made to his velocity and some of his off-speed stuff, I feel like that's going to help him get it sounds so ridiculous to say about a pitcher you want to see, see be a star, but it'll help him get past two, which in last year we had a couple of games where he just could not get past two. And I think that that helps his ERA. And then if you add on top of that, the performance increases that would come from, you know, that kind of confidence. I think that he will probably be more like a three, eight, three, nine than over a four, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but I, I think that's probably the case. I, I like where your head's at for all that. I have this as a true, um, you can't take away those, those albatross starts that just, you know, do inflate the ERA 0.5 runs or whatever at the end of the year. I, I think there's a pretty decent, I mean, I just said 5% chance for all-star games. So I'm, I'm obviously high on the guy, but yeah, I think it, I think he beats four pretty comfortably. Hmm. Jose Quintana, not officially the opening day starter, but, you know, if, if you like projecting things, got a pretty good shot at it. He makes less. 12 starts or fewer this year. Yeah, this is actually uh, – I was thinking about this because I was I was thinking about how they were talking about Zach Thompson could be a starter or a reliever, and I was like, they wouldn't do that with Quintana, like, too soon, would they? I think it's going to be more than 12 starts just because of how it sounded like his negotiations went with the Pirates. It sounded like they wanted to give him a run as a starter, and I think that they would probably lean towards keeping him as a starter as I don't think the win-loss again this year is going to matter that much to the front office. But I could be wrong. I mean, they've got they've got like, what, eight or nine starting options technically. Um, mm-hmm. That's – that's I, I, I mean, if some of them are doing – way better they could put him back in the bullpen but also you got to think about it's a one-year deal the trade value of a starter versus a reliever um so i i would think that if he's anywhere like under a four or five or something he's probably staying over 12 i this is maybe my spicy take throughout this i don't think he, he makes a dozen starts with the parts like like you said, with the negotiations, that definitely was a key part. You know, he signed because he had an opportunity to start and you have to give him an honest to goodness look as a starter, because if you don't, other free agents are going to remember that with that. I mean, it's one thing if we gave him a shot and he stunk, it's another for, you know, we gave him a shot, a shot. And then like two days later, you know, we were done with the, the Quintana, you know, starting experiment. So I think he does get a look. It just doesn't go particularly well. So I'll I'll go with a dozen or less in the bullpen. Nobody gets 20 saves. So basically Chris Stratton or David Bednar, if you want to really go wild card here and say, uh, Anthony Bonda or someone like that, but no one gets 20. I I really want to say that's true. Um, I'd really like for Bedner to be the guy. I just don't think that Shelty will make it so that he is always the guy. He's very much a, a matchup, and um, he also likes experience. And Chris Stratton in those games, says he was good at the end of last year. I think that affects it. Um, both of those guys are righties, and Anthony Banda is a lefty. So if he does, you know, pretty close to what he was doing last season for most of the season. He'll probably get a look with certain matchups. And also you got saves equate to wins usually at some, in some form. So uh, you got to put that in there too. So I think, I think Bedner will lead the team in saves, but I don't think it's going to be 20 exactly. Um, I think it'll probably be in the teens. 
I, I think it's, I think Ben are barely cracks 20 over mm. the course of the season because, you know, he splits it with Stratton for half the year and then Stratton gets traded at the deadline. And it's just, yeah, you know, that's so, fair. Okay, let's, yeah. let's just make him the closer at that point. I see you're getting these off the cuff. I have a little more time to premeditate them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, even thinking about that, I still think it's probably under 20, but it's closer than I thought. July 1st, this is a very arbitrary date, but on July 1st, O'Neill Cruz, Baronzi Contreras, Travis Swaggerty, and, and some other prospect of note. I'll, I'll give this one, if you want to put it Smith and Ajigba, if you want to make it Diego Castillo, if you want to make it Jack Sawinski, whoever you want. Those four players are all in the major leagues. Um, at the same time? Ooh. At the same time. Oh, that's a good one. Um I'm giving the wild card for the fourth. You can't say, well, no, I, I yeah. always had, you know. I'm going to I'm gonna say Richie. fault on that, actually. I don't think that they would have all four. Well, I'm saying all four. Like, the fourth one actually is a guy I'm thinking of. Um, it's not. Uh, but I don't think they'd have all four at the same time because I don't think they would have cleared enough roster space at that point. They just acquired Josh Van Meter. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I think Van Meter's here for a, for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, I know, but it's just like little things like that make me think that they won't call up a lot of these guys um, together in the first half. Um, I think they'll have to call up O'Neill because I think O'Neill's just going to kill Triple A pitching. Yeah. Um, I I I don't know. They they need to call up Bly because it would just be fun. But uh, that's that's who my fourth guy was in my head. But I know it'd probably be either like Diego or Smith and Jigba or someone like that. Um, but I'd love for it to be someone, someone who's not exactly on the top 30. It would just be fun to reward a guy for doing well. It would be, I have this as a true um, August 1st. I think it's pretty much a guaranteed once, you know, the trade deadlines passed and, you know, injuries or whatever. Well, you said July things. 1st. I said July 1st. Yeah. But I'm saying August 1st, it's pretty much at least in my head guaranteed unless sure. something happens, but July 1st, I, I think the roster just, it flows so naturally that these kids start getting opportunities up at the major league level. And with the exception of Swaggerty, who was, you know, banged up a little bit here, I think you can make a good case that just about everyone should be on the opening day team, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Uh, another minor league one, someone who starts the year in Altoona makes their major league debut this year. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I don't even know who that is. I, I I'd have to think about it. Uh, maybe Nick Gonzalez could like have a call up in September just because he did so well. Um, but I just I just think that my, maybe maybe me and Ben aren't exactly the same on seeing this, and this is why he gets paid a lot more than me and you know run for pirates. Um, I really think that double A is the testing ground. So if you do very well at double A, it's like, it's like the top of the competition. You don't stick in triple A if you're at the top of the competition. So if you're showing your own in, in double A, then you're going to get a major league call up in September in my mind, unless you're like dealing with injury or something, but even like Rancy and, um, O'Neill had injuries last season that kept them out for quite a while. They were elbow injuries, not great. So for, forearm or elbow. So I, I think that like somebody's going to stay healthy and they'll get a chance. Yeah, I think Pagero is the most likely just as that end of year, you know, call up because he's already on the 40 man. But Nick Gonzalez makes sense. Quinn Priester needs to be added to the 40 man roster this winter anyway. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's the type of it's it just makes too much sense. Bonus point real fast. Do they do the Rodolfo Castro special and get called up straight from Altoona? I I I don't think so. Um, 
I don't know why I don't think so because Rodolfo Castro was so random. They kept trying to explain it to us. Like, you well, know, I, he's I a, just couldn't get it, man. Like a year ahead and stuff. And I was like, I, I still don't quite understand it. I mean, he had that fun Met series, but I didn't quite understand it. So they could just pull a wild card and say someone was one year older than the competition. I, I think that might've been a pandemic thing where they wanted to start him at double A to face, you know, the best prospect competition and call him up. But um, I don't think that's going to happen. Young Hayes wins a gold glove, which is also a two-parter because the only reason he didn't last year at least get a nomination was because he wasn't healthy long enough. Yeah. Um, I'm going to s- I'm going to say yes, even though I'm going to say it's true, even though Nolan Arenado is right there. That's always so tough. But he he was so good when he was healthy last season that it makes me think that he'll finally be able to – somebody would finally be able to take over Arenado mm-hmm. and McMahon, which I didn't really expect him to be as good as he was. But he was really good too. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think he'll probably – He's got to stay healthy, but his his health stuff has been like random stuff. It hasn't been like a recurring thing. So I I will think that he's healthy and say true. Yeah, but with the exception of the wrist last year, there hasn't been anything you know really recurring you know at any point. So I, I have this as a true, but I have the injury as the only caveat. If he qualifies for a Gold Glove, he wins a Gold Glove, and I yeah. I feel very confident in saying that. All right, last one, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Do not finish in last place in the National League Central. I saw some people making bold predictions that they could finish third, and I was just like, I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, I still think they're last place. I, I still think. I, I mean, the Reds are are trying for some reason. To, yes, they to are. The bottom, but the Reds are also. Um, it looks like even though they traded off some guys, they're they're bringing their prospects up fast. Um, who could be good? I mean, Hunter Green on a, like starting the opening ro- rotation sounds like Nick Lodolo could be up like very soon. Um, and he's he's insane. He's very good. Um, so you never know how prospects pan out, but at least they're trying it from the beginning instead of just some. Again, they acquired Josh Van Meter. There's nothing as Josh Van Meter. He hit Triple A pitching very well. It's just a very different philosophy. Yeah, I, I have it as true. They finish in fourth place just ahead of the Reds, and it's through merit of not being the worst team that's ever stepped in Cincinnati for those <laughs> 10 games or however many it is you know, this, this upcoming yeah. season. Like, literally any improvement there in their, in their goal. Yeah, they did lose a lot of games to Cincinnati last year. We, we watched oh, a lot of those. We watched a a lot of bad baseball in Cincinnati last Oh, year. in Cincinnati in particular, too. I was yeah. just getting heartburned from Skyline and watching bad baseball. It was just – it was – I can't say it was the worst because I was getting paid to do my job, but it was it was bad. And you deserve it if you ate Skyline. If you True. willingly put that into I mean, I'll, I'll own that, yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Jake, I gave him the open floor if he had one bold prediction to, for this season. 
he could have it. So Jake, the segment is yours. What is it? Okay. So if you remember last season, um, Jacob Stallings stole third base in spring and then in the season, Colin Moran got a stolen base somehow. Um, so if you're looking at 24 feet per second velocity, like runners, uh, you need to look at Daniel Vogelback, and I'm saying that he's going to steal a base this season. I'm making, it, I'm making it happen. He has not stolen a base in MLB, I don't think. He has not stolen one since 2017 with Tacoma. I looked this up. He had three that year, incredibly. Um, I think that there is going to be one game that's just so ridiculous, like a blowout either way, and he's just going to try it. Um, so this is this is a very low-risk prediction because it's not like it's not like I'm saying like, you know, O'Neill Cruz is going to win in a Royal unanimously. Like that would be much more skin on the line, but one stolen base. I think you can do it. Colin and Jacob are both gone. We got to have one slower guy on the team who can really just give us something to talk about like that. Um, the cheetah and whatever we called Colin. I don't know if he had anything like that. He was just red beard, but we need it. We need a new cheetah. There's no, there's no real replacement for the cheetah. He also had that charisma, but we need something like that. All right. Now that it's done and they're not on the team anymore, who would have won in that race? Jacob Stallings or Colin Moran? Uh, I truly believe it would have been Jacob Stallings. Um, and I know that his form looks uh, wonky when he runs. I actually think Colin Moran's running form looks better than Jacob Stallings, but he can book it. I mean, he can he can beat out of play. He 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 doesn't need to. That's the thing is that like some of his hits. He doesn't really need to. He knows it's a single Y run. But if you ever see him book it, I think he could beat Colin. I I would have gone with first half of the season, Jacob Stallings, second half after catching all year, probably oh, yeah. Colin Moran. That's true. That's also fair. And I, I don't know if I actually commented about I love I love it for the vocal back stolen base. Whatever it happens, I'm gonna tag you on Twitter and oh that that's the best part about this is that if I'm wrong, no one cares. But if I'm right, I'm clipping this and putting it on Twitter all day. Yes. And, and I'll tell I'll tell Vogel back whenever, you know, we get into the clubhouse that day, like, hey, one man believed in you. <laughs> one man. And his name was Jake Krause. Oh, I always believe that's not true. You heard the true fault segment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to say, I counted a lot of falses there, Jake. Yeah. Jake, thank you for coming on. Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Jake Krause MLB, which makes me sound like I'm an MLB insider. I am not, but I do post some baseball stuff. Okay. <laughs> and you could also find Jake on Twitter whenever I post Jake, whenever he says. Something. Oh, yeah. If you see yeah. that reply, you know what's going on. And also the Pirates will do that. Yeah. I started it. I want the record. To I know show. you did. I started you did start it. it. But yes. the Pirates get a little bit more engagement for some reason. We don't know why, <laughs> but they do. I don't know. No respect for the originators in this sport. Thank you all for listening to the Pirates Podcast to be named later. DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, wherever you find a podcast, find that one, subscribe, get all our great shows. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.